Well, good morning, everyone. How are you? Let's try it again. Good morning, everybody. Good, awesome. Everybody is alive and awake and ready to go. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, my name is Nathan Tuck, and we passed here at Southridge, and uh, we were supposed to be outside. Um, and I have to admit, I am bummed because if you look at the weather, the next few days are going to be awesome weather. The last few days were awesome weather, and here we are. Uh, we prayed for good weather last Sunday, but we also said that whatever God chooses to send, uh, we're going to have joy in that and make the best of it. And so here we are. Uh, so welcome to an indoor service of baptisms. Uh, we are really grateful that you're here this morning. Uh, we're going to sing some energetic, uh, just Christ-focused, grace-focused songs. Uh, so join with us in that. Uh, we have eight, eight people who are being baptized. And so you're going to hear their faith stories. You're going to enjoy that and just dwell in the richness of, of hearing about God's grace at work in their lives. And then uh, we'll come out of that with a song and I'll make some comments. But thank you so much for being here today. Uh, we are excited about our service. We're thankful that you're here as we just celebrate uh, God's work, the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives and changing us and making us creations of Christ and sons and daughters of God. So why don't we stand and uh, let's jump in and let's sing together. And if you've got kids, it's okay if they're a little noisy this morning. That's fine. Just kind of like relax, enjoy, dive in, participate, and just let's have a free and enjoyable morning. Amen? Sounds good.
We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, 
in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Again, maybe you grew up in a church tradition that baptized differently. Uh, maybe you didn't grow up in any church tradition at all. And so baptism might be one of those things that's just a little bit different or weird or like, how does that work? When we baptize someone, uh, we lower them all the way into the water and bring them back out. Uh, that's a picture of them being merged with Christ through faith. Every person that you see baptized this morning, uh, they're not doing that in order to somehow merit God's grace. They're not somehow doing that to merit a God's love. They're not doing that to merit eternal life. They're not doing that as a religious obligation or a hump to jump through. They're actually doing that as a response to God's grace that has already been demonstrated to them. Every person that you see baptized, you'll hear their faith story. Their story of how they came into a personal relationship with Christ. And so baptism is actually a picture of something that has already happened. It's a picture of what has happened to them already, of being washed and cleansed by their relationship with Christ, by being adopted into his family as sons and daughters. Baptism is a picture of that. Some of you may have seen the mode of sprinkling in baptism. We at Southridge really don't have anything against that, but baptism by immersion is just an incredibly beautiful picture of what it means when we're lowered into the water of being buried with Christ. In other words, when he was buried, he took our sins, our guilt, our evil, our darkness, our separation from God. He took that upon himself when he was buried. And then he was raised to life. And as we're raised up out of the water, it's a picture that we are raised to life in Christ. That our life is no longer our own, but that our life is defined by Jesus. That we have found life in him, that we emerged together with Christ through faith. So it's no longer our record, our lives, our goodness, our righteousness that matters. Instead, it's the life, the goodness, the righteousness of Christ that matters, and we are in him. And so baptism is this beautiful picture. In ancient times, the word baptism was often used when they would dip a garment in a dye. And so that garment would come out of the dye with the qualities, the color of the dye in which it was immersed. It took on the identity of the dye. And so baptism is this beautiful picture that our identity who we are is now in Christ. We are in him. We are merged in his life through faith. For every person who's baptized, you'll hear their faith story read. And you'll also hear a couple of people share some verses for them as they're baptized. So the first person that we're going to be baptizing is Ashley Burke.
So I have grown up with a mom that has always taken me to church on Sunday, but the rest of my family wasn't very religious. I grew up hearing about who Jesus was and went to church, but never took the, took the time to form a relationship with him. As I grew up, I struggled a lot with comparison, lust, greed, pride, envy, and finding my worth in others, idolization, and so many other sins. I have very low self-esteem, so that made, me, made it difficult for me to form relationships with new people. Even though the low self-esteem affected a lot of my life, it was mostly with the sports teams I played on through the years. <clears throat> it led to a lot of comparison, and I put a lot of my worth in how well I played and kept this attitude going through high school and still viewed myself as less than others. This prevented me from making connections, and as the years went on, it only got worse. I focused more on others, what others thought of me than what I needed to do on the field. In addition to low self-esteem, I put my worth heavily on how guys viewed me. I would invest so much time into guys and I, that I was interested in that I would lose sight of who I was. It was looking for someone to fill the loneliness that I was feeling deep down. In my junior and senior year, it was the, definitely the hardest. Although I really tried to make connections, <clears throat> I still struggled a lot. I decided to party more just to fit in and try to change who I was in order for them to accept me. But no matter what I tried, I still felt empty and, it was, and I wasn't good enough. One night after a game, I just broke down in front of my parents. I just felt so broken, empty, and lost. Later that night, I was reflecting on the coping mechanisms I had used to fill the void. I felt deep down and recognized something. The worldly things that temporarily, inconsistently, and never truly satisfied me. I hit a low and I had nowhere to turn. I started to pray and God just <clears throat> surrendered everything to him. Through re repenting from my sins and opening my heart to Jesus, I was forgiven and was redeemed. He saved me from the chains of sin and made me new. As time went on, I stopped partying, comparing myself to others, putting my worth in other people and living for the world. I just started to pray, journal, read my Bible, and just work on forming relationships with God. Now I have endless joy and fulfillment. Despite my circumstances, God led me to Southridge, where I have formed amazing relationships, and I have had so many opportunities to grow in my faith. I can't wait to see God, what God has planned for me for the rest of my life. And um, is there someone who would like to share a verse for Ashley as she's baptized? <laughs> and the mother is going to do that as well. <laughs> okay. I chose uh, Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Awesome. So I'm going to baptize Ashley in a moment. And when she comes up out of the water just to um, celebrate with shouting, hooping, hollering, whatever, clapping, and so just celebrate this. Ashley, have you embraced Jesus Christ as your Savior? Yes. And is it your desire to demonstrate this through baptism? Yeah. I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.
Uh, next, they're going to be coming together, Ron and Lisa Heron. Sometimes the Lord wakes people's souls in very fierce ways. On the evening of November 21st, 2019, Ron and Lisa Heron were peacefully talking after just having retired for the evening. That night, after a relatively normal day of working out, chopping firewood, and driving, Ron experienced cardiac arrest three times at home. He went into complete heart block, the electrical system in his heart shutting down out of nowhere. And he died in bed in front of Lisa. She was alone and terrified. After several very frightening attempts at life-saving, the couple spent 18 hours in the hospital. After two more cardiac events, they left with a pacemaker, a lot of confusion, and PTSD. They later learned that Ron has a hereditary genetic condition and that this terrifying evening could not have been prevented. For probably a dozen years leading up to that fateful day, Ron and Lisa had been very lukewarm Christians. They attended a local church, and Lisa had even taught Sunday school. They had six children between them, and Lisa's three had spent their entire elementary school careers at Crossroads Christian Academy. Southridge was an easy place to settle, as the kids had so many friends from school who attended churches there as well. And though they valued this Christian community for their family, Ron and Lisa were not actively engaging with their faith. But what happened that night changed everything. Initially, they walked around like victims. Lisa had nightmares pretty regularly, and Ron experienced a lot of anger. But as time passed, Ron and Lisa realized that their walk with the Lord needed to be refreshed and renewed, and they felt compelled to buy a fresh Bible and start reading it together. They watched sermons from pastors, on, from pastors online. They began attending church more regularly, and Lisa began participating in some classes while trying to meet others from church. Last fall, after two years of allowing the word of God to really sink in, Lisa felt the Holy Spirit speaking to her about getting baptized. Though both Ron and Lisa had been christened as infants, they never understood what it meant until staring death in the face. They are being baptized today to publicly proclaim the work of renewal that God has done in their hearts and souls, both individually and as a couple. And is there someone who would like to share a verse with Ron and Lisa as they are baptized? So incredibly proud of you guys. So happy to stand up for you. Um, Lisa, I've known you a very long time, and Ron too, and surprised to find that my high school friend married my chiropractor. But <laughs> to watch what God has done in both of you in the last two years has been a blessing beyond measure. And the verse that um, God just gives me every time I pray for you guys is from Romans chapter 8, verses 37 um, through 39. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord.
Lisa, have you embraced Jesus Christ as your Savior and is it your desire to demonstrate this through baptism? And I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And if I throw my back out, you'll be able to... <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Ron, have you embraced Jesus Christ as your Savior? Yes. And is your desire to demonstrate that through baptism? Yes. And I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Next is Megan Hughes. My faith story begins with my mother and grandmother. They were the woman that raised my sisters and I. They would read me Bible stories before bed and would take me to prayer meetings. At the prayer meetings, we would sing faith songs and listen to the service and all get prayed over afterwards. Christian music was always being played while in the car on the radio. Being surrounded by all of this, they gave me the confidence to believe in Jesus and to vocalize my belief because I would witness them talk about Jesus to other people. So I always knew that Jesus loved me no matter what, that I was not made to be perfect, he is. When I was in college, I made some bad decisions and strayed away from my faith. I was living for this world and myself. I was living a life that was full of hatred, selfishness, and jealousy. Even during this time, Christian music would always help me be in a better mood. So one day I decided to listen to some of Zach Williams' music. God was really speaking to me through that, and as a result, one day I made the decision to stop ignoring Jesus and his truth. I opened up my Bible and read the New Testament and felt Jesus' love co cover me. When I chose to change the way I was living, I lost all of my friends. I had no one to turn to besides Jesus. He was all I had when I felt alone. Now I walk with confidence knowing that no matter what happens, I will always have him. And he has called on me to be more. I am being baptized today to show that my life has been changed for the better by Jesus. John 16:33. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the heart where in the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Megan, have you embraced Jesus Christ as your Savior, and is it your desire to demonstrate that through baptism? Yes. And I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Next is Brian Pugh. Yeah. 
I came to know Jesus Christ as my savior, not overnight, but over my life. It wasn't one profound moment for me, but it was slow and steady. And when I look back, I see God's pursuit was unrelenting. From a young age, I knew of Jesus. My parents raised me as a Christian, and I'm proud that my mom involved my brother and I in church and youth group. I think back then, I did truly know God's love. But over time, my family moved to a new state, we struggled to find a new church, and I slowly and unknowingly drifted apart from faith. I didn't realize or understand God's love for us or his presence in my life. Gradually, I sought answers in other things, other ideas, and most of all, in myself. I thought that if I believed in myself, I could do anything, and that it was through my own will that I would succeed or fail. When I stumbled, I had the love of my family to support me. I didn't see God as a relevant part of my life. Looking back on those times and thoughts of myself, I can't help but smile at my ignorance to God's constant pursuit of me during those years. It was in college that my heart began to soften and I, as I saw the impact Jesus had on those close to me. God led me to Jesus through the only way that would open my eyes, with examples of his love displayed in those around me. It reached me through my friend Jeremy. He was the only Christian in a townhouse of four, and he is one of the kindest and truest representations of loving one's neighbor that I've ever met. God used him as a light on a hill to pique my curiosity. I was amazed by his capacity for kindness, and I knew that he defined himself by the Lord. I naturally grew curious as to why, but God had already begun working to answer my questions through another person, my wife, Nellie, my future wife, Nellie. Dating Nellie opened my eyes to God's constant presence in our lives. She took my curiosity and slowly helped to understand my questions through conversation and action. She was and still is patient, kind, and honestly human with me. God used her to show me his love for me. From giving me my first Bible to attending church and eventually to professing my faith in Jesus Christ. Although I remember doing it, my terrible memory can't recall the specific moment I asked Jesus Christ to be my savior. Being saved wasn't a single grand moment for me, but reflected God's continuing pursuit of me in my life, gradual and persistent. Looking back on the years since I professed Jesus as my savior, it amazes me to see how much my personal relationship with him has grown. Going from realizing that I fall short and need him to experiencing the vastness of his love for me to my continual growth and dependence on God. He continues to pursue me through wonderful new people and community and has begun using me to pursue others as well. I'm excited to be baptized today as a symbol of my dedication to Jesus and my love for him as all through my life he has shown his love for me. And there's someone's going to be sharing a verse for Brian as he's baptized. Um, Brian, I'm sharing Matthew 5, 14 to 16. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven.
Brian, have you accepted Jesus as your Savior and is your desire to demonstrate that through baptism? Yes. And I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Next, we're going to be baptizing Amanda and Kiang Yoon. Growing up, my parents taught my sisters and I about God as the, as the creator of all things and that Jesus was sent as our savior to die on the cross for our sins. I never felt the need to question these truths, so I believed in Jesus and prayed to the Lord with my struggles and petitions. Later, I would come to realize that I didn't fully know what it means to be a follower of Christ and truly believe in Jesus as Savior and Lord of, over my life. I recall struggling in high school with the big question of what God wants me to do in life. How was I to determine my true calling? That caused me to believe that if I didn't figure that out, I would be failing in some way. I thought that if I didn't choose the correct path for my life, that God would not be able to use me in the way he intended. I can now see that although I thought I had good intentions, and wanted to honor God, I was actually making myself the ruler over my life and not God. I found myself pursuing my own way and justifying my sinful nature while I was in high school and college, having that need for justification because I felt uneasy and anxious about so much in my life. Although I would say that I had a relationship with God throughout that time, there was a limit to the intimacy and peace I could experience through him because I couldn't fully entrust my life to the Lord. When I had finished my senior year of college and was preparing for graduation, my middle sister, sister Heather, unexpectedly passed away in a car accident. This was an unfathomable loss as my sister was young and healthy, having great success and belonging in her PhD program and was one month away from her wedding day. I just couldn't wrap my head around how God would take her home at that time when she had so much more purpose and good that she could do on earth. The more questions I asked, the more I realized that there really isn't an answer that we can provide. So in my pursuit of trying to understand why she was no longer here, I was drawn closer to him and humbled daily to recognize that although we may never know why God calls some people home sooner or allows great suffering, he alone knows what's good and has purposes that are so much greater than we can imagine. I believe that the purpose God had for her life was fulfilled in her short time here with us, and we will not see the fullness of what he did and is doing until he comes again and we are together with him in eternity. This ultimately put me on the path I was searching for all those years where I could finally release the control I had over my life, humble myself before the Lord, and know with confidence that he would use me and my life for his purposes that I may or may not fully understand, but in which I can have peace knowing that he is working through me in many different ways to reach more and more people to know him and surrender their lives to him. Today, I want to proclaim my faith and publicly dedicate my life to Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life, and makes me a new creation in him. Amanda, I chose Philippians 4, 4 through 7 for you. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. 
Do not be anxious about anything but in everything, in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. I chose these for several reasons. Amanda, I think of you as such a joyful and gentle person, and I know that you know the Lord is near. I pray that you would continue to choose to not be anxious, that you would present all your requests to God with thanksgiving, and that his supernatural peace would guard your heart and mind. Amen. I love you. Amanda, have you embraced Jesus as your Savior and is it your desire to demonstrate this through baptism? Yes. And I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. is upon his majestic creation, an unbelievable love story of Jesus' marriage with you, said one of my teachers back in high school. Although what the teacher said carved into my brain immediately, God didn't allow its meaning to resonate with my heart until I married a beautiful lady who is the best gift from God. Here begins my faith story for this baptism. 19 years ago, when I was 19 years old, I recognized God's love for the first time upon graduation from high school. He proposed to me, who was born and raised in a non-religious family, and I accepted God in heart without knowing that he had been together with me even before I met him. As God gradually let my eyes open, many of my life's events in the past that I took for granted as normal water turned into exquisite wine. For example, when the non-Christian Kyung was Forced to enter a sister act type high school because of the Korean government's sudden school standardization policy, I never imagined that God had already prepared a long-suffering teacher who wouldn't give up teaching me the Bible. Even though 80% of the students were not Christian, she always looked peaceful and hopeful. Her delivery was so eloquent that I even thought she might be the return Jesus hidden in my high school for some reason. <laughs> Thanks to good people, God placed by God, my definition of the Bible changed over time from a mandatory subject in high school to an interesting story of God. Now it is simply God. To me, John 1.1 means more than the theology of the Trinity. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is my story. This is my song. Despite profound blessings, I haven't been baptized for 19 years of my life as a believer. Whenever people suggested that I should get baptized, I thought that I was neither prepared nor deserved to be baptized. Also, an undefined fear and insecurity of the post-baptism life kept giving me a rain check, which was full of self-justification that neglected baptism as a formality. In the meantime, three years ago, God allowed me to tie the knot with a faithful lady who is one of my best testimonies of God's love. I vividly reminisce, reminisce about my whole journey from her answering yes for my proposal to the blessed wedding ceremony toward our marriage. Although I doubted that I deserved to marry her, I still look forward to being one flesh, yearned for our new chapter, 
and tried my best to be prepared. From time to time, I was concerned and intimidated, but those negative feelings could never overshadow my hope and conviction to be her better half. One day, I recalled the old lesson taught in high school, and it occurred to me that if the Bible is the love story of Jesus' marriage with me, baptism would be the equivalence of a wedding. Shortly, I found it bizarre that I had totally opposite mindsets of these similar events. I would have never been satisfied with my engagement status if it lasted 19 years. I, would have not, I wouldn't have postponed my wedding even if I were not sure of being a good husband. If my wife kept delaying our wedding, saying, I'm still learning about you or I'm not beautiful enough, I would have been extremely sad and downhearted. Yet I've postponed my wedding ceremony with Jesus for 19 years since I said yes to God. Gratefully, I've been awakened by God's grace that illustrates how wonderful marriage can be, which is showcased in my marriage to my wife. At last, I look forward to my marriage with Jesus. My baptism will be the incredible beginning of walking closer with Jesus. So, welcome to my wedding. Young, that's, that's just so brilliant. <laughs> I just love it. Uh, the verse I chose to sh I can't look and speak. Uh, the verse I, verse I chose to share with you was from Ephesians, and this goes back to the beginning of your testimony. So, blessed be uh, Ephesians 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which we've been blessed in the beloved. Kiang, have you embraced Jesus Christ as your savior and as your desire to demonstrate that through baptism? Yes. And I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Uh, such amazing, amazing stories. Uh, the last person we're going to be baptizing is Aubrey Battle, and a family friend, spiritual mentor is going to be baptizing her, and named Dr. Dave. So I'm going to invite Aubrey and Dr. Dave in, and Dr. Dave is going to be baptizing Aubrey. Thank you. Come on down. This is actually a first for both of us. As the pastor said, um, my name is Dave Levesque, a uh, family friend, and this little one means a whole lot to me, so it's a, it's a privilege to be here today. I'm affectionately known to her as Dr. Dave, and some others here too. So before we baptize Aubrey, uh, she's going to share her story and her testimony with you. Um, yeah, you might want to lower that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I've always believed in God since the beginning of my life. I've loved him with all my heart. My parents dedicated me to the church when I was a baby. They always told me how much God loved me and how I was his child. 
They helped me to memorize verses, to learn stories, and to learn the lessons that God was teaching us through his word. I memorized my first Bible verse at four years old, Isaiah 48. The grass, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. The older I got, the more I realized that I didn't understand the truly serious commitment and time and meditation on the Bible that it took to have a steady and strong relationship with the Lord. I knew I had to make that decision for myself. No one could love God for me. It's hard to remember the exact moment that I accepted Jesus as my Savior, but I can remember a specific time that I told God how much I loved him and wanted him to be my Savior. I asked him in my... I asked him into my heart while I was in the car with my mom driving me to school. I attended elementary school at Eastern Christian, or EC, for short. My mom was a teacher there, and we, were far, and we lived far away, so we spent a lot of time driving to school. One day, she explained to me about letting him rule my heart, and I asked him. I was six years old. I sort of viewed Bible stories back then as stories and never got into the letters of Paul that got into some of the deep stuff, only the action-packed stories. I knew it was time to go into God's Word. All of a sudden, I found myself in the middle of a pandemic. It was, a very, it was very stressful, and that's when the trouble started. A little while after we got into lockdown, I was having some doubts. My family moved to a new town, and we had to find a new church. But COVID was not helping us find a church, and we were having trouble finding a place to call our church home. I was a doubting Thomas. I wondered whether the Lord was really there or not. I thought about how there were so many other religions out there. Who said mine was the right one? It was before, during, and after our move from Bergen County to here. I was scared about what would happen if my religion was wrong. But I talked. It was the best move I made. I talked to my mom, and she got me an amazing book, A Case for Christ for Kids. It explained everything to me. After a year of homeschooling because of COVID, I went to public school for the first time ever. I was initially scared that the kids would make fun of me, but after a while and a lot of Bible reading, I was more opened. I talked about it with my close friends without getting all nervous. Then I learned about baptizing. Baptizing for me is kind of like the ultimate, I love God and I'm gonna show it. I can't wait. I feel like I've grown up in my faith, like all the doubts are behind me. And my mom shared with me a quote from one of her pastors. It's not a religion, it's a relationship. And I agree. I've been reading Jesus Calling for Kids as a devotion. It's like a little motivation every day. Even when I get angry, he helps me keep my cool. He helps me be more like him. And more like him is an amazing person. I love the Lord and I've always believed in him. But now I'm ready to take the next step and be baptized. My, state, my statement to the world that he is my savior. Out of the way. Well, if you could indulge me for maybe about 30 seconds, I just wanted to say something to Aubrey. Um, Aubrey, it is a great joy and a great honor for me to be standing here with you as you stand in front of all these people professing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and wanting to live the rest of your life for him. That's amazing. Um, Aubrey and I go way back, yes. <laughs> way back. And um, I know you're not supposed to have uh, favorites, so they say, but 
Aubrey was certainly um, one of my favorite Sunday school students of all time. King's Kids Sunday School, whatever you want to call it. We've done a lot together, haven't we? The Bible trivia matches have gotten intense. Fun. <laughs> so, um, I just wanted to share, I, I remember one night when I was uh, preparing for a, uh, a lesson in class, uh, for class, I should say, and uh, it was getting late, and Aunt Chris walked in, and she said to me, well, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm still preparing for class. And she said, uh, gee, Dave, it's just kids. And I said, yeah, that might be so, but Aubrey Claire's in the class. <laughs> and I say that in jest, but, but not really. Um, she is one special girl with one special heart, and uh, I know she's going to do great things for Jesus. Um, so, Aubrey, I just have one last question for you. Yes. Well, there'll be more, but for now, okay. Yes. Do you love Jesus with all your heart? Yes. And do you plan to serve him with all your heart for the rest of your life? For the rest of my entire life. Okay, let's do it. Wait, my sister, she wants to do that. Oh. This way. My sister, she wants to do it. Oh, first. I forgot. I'm my sister, sorry. my sister Lindsay, she's going to be reading and/or singing a Bible verse for me. My bad. <laughs> um, I'm actually going to be singing a Bible verse. Um, so here we go. The Lord bless you. Wait. Wait. How does it go? <laughs> Number six twenty-four. 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord makes his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Well, Aubrey Claire Battle, on the profession of your faith in Jesus Christ and your love for him and your desire to serve him the rest of your life, I proudly baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. your pastor knows what he's doing, but he's given me the uh, honor of closing the service, I guess, in prayer. <laughs> so if you all might just stand up as uh, the worship team comes and gets ready, um, let me just pray a prayer of uh, benediction uh, over these candidates. Heavenly Father, uh, you are an amazing God, and we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, uh, the reason that we're all here. Father, thank you for his death and resurrection on the cross and what that means to us. Thank you for the Southridge Community Church, Father, and what you're doing here. My prayer, especially this morning, Father, is for these uh, eight candidates who have professed their faith and their love for you, Jesus, and they have boldly stepped out in faith in response to your command of being baptized. And Father, we do know that now they've made this commitment and this decision that it's not going to be easy. I pray, Father, that you would keep the evil one from each one of them, that you would give them strength 
and confidence and love, more love for you, Father, to follow you each and every day. Thank you, God, for what you're doing in their lives and again in the lives of this church. Bless this day as we go in your name. Amen.
Thank you that your name is victory. That we do not find victory in ourselves. But we find it in you. Thank you that we find life not in ourselves. But in you. We praise your name and your grace that's poured out upon us. We ask these things in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Just a couple of comments to wrap up our time. Wow, I'm uh, going to be living all those baptism stories for a while. How about you? It's amazing, isn't it? So I want to read those verses once again that I read earlier from the baptistry. So don't you know that all of us were baptized into Christ Jesus? 
were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if you have been united with him in in his death like this, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Just a couple of thoughts from those verses. Something I want to remind us of that's basic. When our lives are merged to Christ through faith, it's not simply as though we choose to believe something we maybe once didn't believe. It's not simply as though we maybe now have a different set of intellectual beliefs. Certainly that's true. But scripture actually makes clear that when our lives are merged to Christ through faith, that there's actually a change and transformation that happens in us. Doesn't necessarily mean that we try to make that happen. Doesn't mean that we can necessarily see maybe from one day to the other. But scripture says that when we are merged with Christ through faith, that there's a transformation that happens in us that doesn't come by our will, by our trying, by our efforts, but that actually supernaturally happens through the work of God's Holy Spirit. When Nicodemus, a religious leader, was talking with Jesus, he was kind of debating with Jesus how it is that a person can belong to God. And Jesus used these two words that you have to be born again. Now, I'm not sure which background that you grew up in. And so maybe when I say those two words, those two words have negative connotations or they freak you out. Maybe some weirdos or something like that. But those are actually two words, the words born again that Jesus used himself. Maybe over time they've become a little bit distorted and twisted, a little bit misunderstood. But what Jesus was saying was this, Nicodemus, it's not something you simply give mental affirmation to. It's not something you try to accomplish. It's actually something that happens to you through the work of God's spirit when you place your faith and trust in Jesus. There's actually something that happens to you, a change, a transformation that takes place. Let me just reach you maybe seven or eight ways that that happens to put some concrete legs on that. The moment that you're merged to Christ through faith, you move from hostility toward God to being reconciled with God. You move from being deserving of God's wrath to being recipients of God's incomparable kindness and grace. You move from being dead in sin to being alive in Christ. We move from being in the bondage to sin and death to being seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. We move from being self-directed according to our twisted desires 
to being Holy Spirit directed according to our new nature in Christ Jesus. We move from being self-providing orphans to being grace-receiving children of God. We move from being impoverished prisoners of sin to being heirs of all things in Christ. Friends, that's something that actually happens to you. It's not simply something that happens in your mind. There's actually supernatural spiritual transformation that happens in your life when you are merged to Christ through faith. You change from a position of hostility toward God to a position now of openness to him. You change from a position of bondage to sin to now being free in Christ. That's fundamentally who you are. Now, interestingly enough, here's what Paul says. He says, this is all true, but he says that the way that we, excuse me, the way that we live the Christian life is that we count as true what is already true. Here's what he says. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. In other words, here's what happened to you. You are dead to sin. You're no longer held in sin's bondage. You are now alive to Christ. But Paul says to live the Christian life, to live in relationship with God, you actually need to actually count as true what Jesus did as being true. You need to actually count as true what is already true about you. So what is true about you is that you are God's son, you're God's daughter. What's true about you is that you are an heir of all things in Christ. What's true about you is that you are alive with Christ. You are seated with him in heavenly realms. That's what's true about you. And the Christian life is lived as actually counting all of that as being true. You actually live into the truth of the supernatural thing that God has done in your life. So whether you've been a follower of Jesus for many years, or maybe some of you are here this morning and you're just still even processing what faith looks like. You know, we at Southridge so deeply desire to walk with people wherever they are to the next step and where God is calling them to be. So maybe this morning is just a small step forward for you to possibly think about Jesus and who he is. Maybe a step forward for you is actually crossing the line and saying, Jesus, I desire to be merged with you through faith. I desire to receive forgiveness of sin, forgiveness of evil, forgiveness of darkness, forgiveness of separation between myself and you because I fall short of your glory and receive the life that you give to me. Maybe that's your decision this morning. Maybe you've followed Jesus for a number of years. And maybe God is calling you back through the Holy Spirit to the, the basics of you are dead to sin. You are alive in Christ. And even though that's true about yourself, you haven't really counted it as being true about yourself. Instead, what you've counted on is your performance, your behaviors, rather than simply living in faith and counting on what is true as actually being true in your life.
Maybe that's a step that you need to take this morning. So I ask that we stand, and I'm going to pray to close our time. Sam's going to come after our prayer and just lead us in a a last reprise of a song. Uh, Let's let's pray and thank God for our morning, and, um, and then Sam will lead us again. God, we stand here, and we thank you for this morning. Thank you for stories of life change. We thank you for stories of the working of your Holy Spirit. We thank you that our relationship with you is not based on our efforts, our trying, our working harder. It is based on a supernatural work of your Holy Spirit that transforms our lives as we are merged together with Christ in faith. Thank you that Christ receives our sin, our separation, our darkness, our evil, our brokenness. And thank you that he gives to us his life, his righteousness, his goodness, his freedom, his love, his grace, and his mercy. May we count as true what actually is true. May we count ourselves as dead to sin because in Christ we are dead to sin. May we count ourselves as alive to Christ because in Christ we are alive. So God, we thank you again for the outpouring of your grace. We thank you for the work of your Holy Spirit. We pray that you would continue to transform our lives. That whether it's embracing Jesus as our Savior, whether it's committing to take the step of baptism, whether it's counting ourselves to be alive, as you have already made us alive, whatever the case, Lord, may your Holy Spirit be at work in our hearts and lives. We ask that name of Jesus, our Savior. Let's sing this refrain together.
that that is our prayer. We want to follow you because you've claimed us through the cross and through the resurrection. We are in you. We belong to you. We're your sons, your daughters. It's our heart's desire is to follow after the person in whom we're in. We ask that in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Amen. You can be seated for one moment. Uh, I'm going to ask Dory Parker to come up. And uh, we do have lunch for you today. We're excited about that. We hope all of you can join us. Uh, Dory, give us a little bit of instructions. Well, first, why don't we just thank Dory and her team? Uh, they've been hard at work. Yeah. Good morning, Southridge. What an extraordinary service this has been. I have been kind of in here for part of it, but just the joy and the volume that has penetrated out and among these walls, I mean, it has been such awesome. a blessing, such a blessing. Awesome. But I, I, I thought you were working over there. I just thank you for working. I, I worked a little, just a little. Um, so I get to share with you the next continuation of our Celebration Sunday. We do have a team of people that were here bright and early this morning setting up over there. We've got um, many things grilled. We have hamburgers and hot dogs and some sausage and cheeseburgers. Um, we have the Kona ice truck coming shortly with both ice and ice cream. Um, we've got some fruit and chips and beverages. And I really would love if all of us would be able to continue um, by joining us over there. We just ask for a little bit of patience as hopefully we have many people to move through the lines. You're gonna walk over, if this is your first time with us, you're gonna walk out and head over from, it would be my left, and there's a big building that says Activity Center and you're gonna walk into those doors and we've got a station set up with the grilled items and then the condiment station and then kind of perpendicular to that are our beverages and some watermelon and chips. Um, we have some people running around trying to dry off chairs outside. I'm not sure if that is gonna be helpful or not. And we have tables set up inside as well. But we really would like to extend a very warm invitation for you to continue with us over in the activity center. Amen. Let me just thank God for our food, and then we'll head over there. God, thank you for the lunch that we're about to receive. And thank you for those who have worked so hard to prepare it uh, throughout the week, early this morning. God, thank you for their efforts. Thank you for just a great Sunday we can have, being a family, being a community of people focused on your grace. And thank you for the lunch that we're about to enjoy. We ask this in everyone who agreed, said? Amen. Amen. Hey, God bless everybody. See you in the activity center.